You're listening to the Traffic and Conversion Show. I'm your host, Michelle Fernandez, and today I'm sharing how to protect your email deliverability, why your emails aren't being delivered, and how to fix them. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Traffic and Conversion Show, where it's all about helping online entrepreneurs amplify their content, build their influence, and convert their leads into sales to grow a profitable business and a life they absolutely love. Now, let's get this party started. Welcome back to the show. I thought this topic was a good one that not very many people talk about, and I'm not sure why. Because I have conversations all day long where they're like, man, I had this email and no one showed up. Come to find out, no one received the emails. Or man, I keep sending these email campaigns or you know, emails after receiving a lead magnet and everything goes to spam or the promo folders. Has this ever happened to you? And here's the thing. We talk about how important it is to have an email list because we own the asset versus relying on the socials. However, what good is it to own the asset if no one's even receiving it or it's going to spam? Am I right? Well, let's start out with the basics, okay? Let's start out with what is email deliverability. The term delivery refers to the email service providers, like a Google, their capacity to send your email towards your intended recipient's email without bouncing, okay? So whether your emails are welcomed inside and treated to refreshments, that's a whole separate matter altogether. This is known as email deliverability because it gauges the proportions of emails that are not obstructed by spam filters and are not routed to the recipient's spam folder. So why does email deliverability matter? The significance of email deliverability is pretty much straightforward. The deliverability, also known as inbox placement rate, pertains to the successful placements of emails in an inbox. As of 2021, the deliverability rate is approximately 80%, indicating that one out of every five emails fails to reach the recipient's primary inbox. Having a higher deliverability rate increases the likelihood of your email being read, reviewed, and potentially taking the action that you want them to take, okay? Now, on the other hand, Having low deliverability rate reduces your email marketing return on investment and wastes your effort that you invested in creating the campaign. So what affects your email deliverability? Now is where we're going to get into the juicy stuff. Now, your emails may be flagged as spam due to mistakes or omissions on your part, and you may not even know you're doing it. I'm going to share real quick some common problems that affect your email deliverability's health and their corresponding best practices, all right? So the first one is buying email lists. I actually had a conversation with one of my husband's friends and this was his issue. He's like, oh, I bought these email lists. I wanna send these email campaigns and they're all going straight to spam, okay? Have you ever done this? Have you ever bought a list? Depending on the type of business that you're in, it could be a thing, right? It may seem attractive because it's a shortcut, right? Because you're getting these email lists. However, it's important to distinguish between beneficial and detrimental shortcuts. And sometimes, honestly, it's like you don't know what you don't know. So you're like, oh, this seems really good. Now I got all these emails of my target audience. Let's do it, okay? 
So I'm going to call out and don't you worry, I'm going to put this in in the um, show notes for you, some letters that's going to help you with this, okay? It's all about email verification. So there's SPF, no, not the sunscreen, SPF, DKIM, and DMARC. These are crucial for email authentication and delivery. These three fundamental security protocols verify the authenticity of an email. So when properly set up, they establish this protective shield around your email, guaranteeing its secure deliverability to the recipient's inbox. So those are for your email to protect your email, okay? So now let's go to email verification, which is crucial because much much like checking both ways before you cross the street, it's vital that you have this, okay? It's speedy, practical, and significantly more advantageous to do this beforehand. Now, an email verifier enables you to verify whether the email address on your cold emailing list exists and can receive emails without actually sending them. It's pretty cool. So to streamline the process, a reliable email verifier lets you bulk verify all the addresses on your list maintaining the list hygiene, right? And that's essential. So to, in order for you to create a fixed schedule, like how do I say this? You need to be always monitoring the hygiene of your list. Like you always wanna keep your list clean, basically is what that means. So you need to figure out, am I gonna do this every six months, every year? If your email is super lengthy, maybe you reduce it in intervals of three months. If you're adding to your list constantly, if you're like, man, we're doing, you know, crazy list building with lead magnets, or we're doing weekly webinars, and we're bringing in tens of thousands of leads a month, I would suggest uh, verifying these often, okay? If an email address is unverified, then remove it from your list and try to find an alternative email address for that lead. If you can't, no big deal, because here's the thing, they're not receiving the email anyway, or maybe the email, maybe they did a typo and they're not getting it. So most likely, if that person is like, hey, I signed up for this thing and I didn't get any emails, if they really want what you got, they're going to reach out to your support. And then you'd be like, oh, yes, you had a typo on your email. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily say that, but oh, I see that, you know, they had a typo. That's why it's not delivering. Let me put them on and get them what they want, right? Okay, next thing that you might be doing that you don't know you're doing is writing misleading subject lines. Okay, so crafting deceptive subject lines can put a lot of stress on marketers as they are the subject lines are the decisive factor for approximately 70% of people opening an email. So the pressure can result in subject lines that range from these exaggerated claims like this product will save your life, right? To outright falsehoods. Now you might even, you might even be a recipient of these and I'm hoping that if you're listening to this, you do not do something like this, where you're like, hey, your order has been shipped, which are sent to individuals who have not placed an order, but are being sold a product or service. Okay, so I know you're not doing this. However, these are the kinds of things, or maybe the way that you're writing them is perceived to be deceptive, okay? So just because subject lines should not be misleading doesn't imply that they must be entirely truthful. 
right? Because if this were the case, most subject lines would read, here's a product you probably don't want to buy, but please buy it anyway, okay? Now, to create a sense of intrigue, meaning like curiosity, right? Try phasing, uh, phrasing things like personalizing it, like first name, uh, I think you, I think I'm going to quit. Or did you watch the Super Bowl last night? Like something that says, oh, what's in there? Or you're not going to believe what I did last night, right? Something like that. Um, and if storytelling isn't your forte, stick to a simple formula of non-generic phrases and lower case letters. Additionally, um, you can use a subject line tester before sending out any emails. Okay. Here's another thing that I've been finding is kind of popular. A lot of people do, especially if you're sending out some sort of weekly newsletter-ish, is adding too many visuals to your email copy. While emails and images can enhance open rates, it's not advisable to go overboard with them. Visually heavy emails are slower loading times, right? So it takes longer for somebody to open, and we all know no one has patience these days, right? They're not easily searchable or accessible and may not be suitable for some audiences. So plain text can be just as engaging as visuals, okay? So think about it. If it weren't, you would never read your friend's text, right? Or even like flyers that you see in the grocery store or in the subway, okay, that you see over and over and you're like, oh, let me read them. Now, your leads are not necessarily, maybe they are, but most of your leads are not children who lose interest after reading a few sentences without a picture, right? So use pictures, GIFs, and videos strategically throughout your email campaigns to complement your copy rather than to replace it. And just a pro tip here, you can maintain an HTML size lower than 102 KBs, all right? Now, to make your emails stand out, Use genuine images instead of stock photos or videos, okay? There's a study that showed that, or I read somewhere that Wistia, they increased their open rates by 41% by reducing the number of images and things that they had. All right, the next thing is shortening your URLs. Now, shortening links can be helpful on platforms like Twitter, um, where their character limits are low. However, email marketers like scammers have a love for shortening links, okay? So data collection, other another standard feature provided by most email service providers, which by the way, you might hear them as ESP, right? Email service provider, just in case you're ever reading an article or something, you're like, what the heck is ESP, okay? I even was like, wait a minute, do I know what it is? Like, there's a lot of things that we put, like, for example, we just talked about SPF. It's like, wait, why are they talking about sunscreen in here? What does this really stand for, right? Now, um, most email service providers is the second major reason for using shortened links, okay? While it's understandable that you may not want this lengthy chalk like chunk of text in your cold email, using shortened links when you already have low deliverability is not just redundant, it's self-sabotaging, okay? So most email clients' algorithms can detect emails that appear to be sent by scammers and using URL shorteners may put you in a questionable position. Now, it may be better to use a call to action button in your emails instead, 
as they are also visually appealing, they stand out, and they're very easy to create. So just an idea. And with one of my clients, we did this split test where we hyperlinked um, certain things, and then we added buttons to certain things. And we found that with his particular audience, the buttons is what got the most clicks, and um, his audience didn't realize that the hyperlinks were hyperlinked. So that could also be something that you choose to test, okay? Next is attachments. Now, when sending cold emails, the recipients may not recognize the sender. And I will say this this will still apply to even your warm emails, okay? So even the most well-crafted email copy has its limitations. So instead of expecting your leads to download an attachment from either a known or unknown sender, send them to a link on a page of your website where the file is hosted. You can create a landing page maybe with pop-ups or, you know, and have it all on there or additional information to guide them further down the sales funnel. There's all kinds of ways that you can do it. Or you can um, maybe even provide like some sort of a template. And all I usually do for the attachments is I upload it to the website, your like, let's just say WordPress to the media, and then you can grab that URL there and then it will send them there and they can download, okay? So I would never suggest attaching anything. If you're delivering a lead magnet, again, I would have a button that sends them to a link that you have provided that is on your website. Okay, not having a clear unsubscribe button. This is another major thing. A lot of people are like, wait, I don't wanna put unsubscribe. I just paid for this lead, right? Well, occasionally users unsubscribe from your emails because of a decline in content quality, okay? More frequently, it's because your emails are no longer relevant or you're sending too many of them, okay? So it may be tempting to avoid unsubscribes by omitting the unsubscribe link in your emails or providing a broken link, but such practices are illegal and nearly every data I mean, I I should say under nearly every data protection law, okay? So attempting to make the link as discreet as possible can further irritate people, right? Have you ever gotten something that you're like, I don't want it anymore, I just went out, where the heck is unsubscribe? And then they name it something else or it's so low at the bottom and you're like, wait, I, I need like a magnifying glass to find this, okay? So by providing an effortless way out, a user who wishes to unsubscribe won't have to report your email as spam, okay? Additionally, giving users the option to opt out can reduce the number of opt outs, okay? So redirect users to a preference center. Now, this is what I'm talking about with this. So let's say, I should say it's called opt down, So versus opt out, what do I mean by this? This means that let's say you just did a webinar, okay? And you're sending the sales sequence after. And someone's like, you know what? I don't really wanna buy, but I still wanna get tips from you. So you would have them basically opt out of the sales sequence, but stay on your regular email list. So you would put something before the opt, like the unsubscribe, unsubscribe. You would say, hey, if you know, if you don't want to hear about so-and-so product, you know, just click here and we'll keep you on the list to hear tips and strategies on blah, blah, blah. Right. So that's a great way to keep your list 
um, engaged where they're like, okay, maybe this is not my thing or, you know, whatever. But then they still get to get on your list because then maybe there's something else that or they need more time to be nurtured. Is this making sense? Okay. Um, I always, again, suggest to have some sort of system to clean up your email list and remove those that have not opened your emails for months or possibly even years. Okay. So this is, you need to have some sort of a system. And we'll talk about this in just a minute of what I mean about basically segmenting who your email openers are or engagers are. Not measuring bounces. Do you even know what bounces mean? So bounces is when basically they determine that this email is not deliverable, okay? So when it comes to campaign data, there is one metric that you cannot afford to overlook. Now, bounce rate refers to the number of emails that are returned instead of being delivered to the intended subscriber. However, not all bounces are the same. Soft bounces are temporary and will resolve itself, okay? For example, when an inbox is full, or a server is down, emails are rejected until the issue is resolved. Now, hard bounces, on the other hand, could occur for various reasons, some which um, may be out of your control. And although hard bounces cannot be prevented, they can be measured or managed and reduced, okay? Your bounce rate is the percentage of total emails that were returned by the recipient's receiver. To avoid being flagged as spam, keep your combined bounce rate below 2%. A high number of bounces can harm your sender's reputation and trigger more bounces, leading to a cycle that could damage your email deliverability, okay? Now, if you're not already, you should be segmenting your list by who's opened and when. Now, most email providers show you, um, will give you this option, right? So they can show you like who has opened your emails in the last 40 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, right? I would definitely figure out what's best for you depending on how often you are actually sending emails. So are you sending emails daily, weekly, bi-weekly, month, right? And then you can figure out, okay, well, if I'm sending them two times a week or every week, then I want to see who's engaged maybe in the last 30 days, right? They're actually opening, they're actually clicking, they're engaging with your email, okay? And then I would consider sending out emails accordingly to those that are the most highly engaged versus those that aren't. So you can create this whole system. I mean, if you really want to get crazy on it, where you're like, okay, I know these are my people because they are opening on a consistent basis, So I'm going to send them this. And then I know these other people, they only open it maybe once every 60 days, right? So then I'm going to send them something that when it's like really good or what I really want them or whatever, something really amazing comes out, then you'll send them those every 60 days. So you can create this whole system that works best for you as well as your audience, okay? Now, this might seem like a lengthy list of factors, But email deliverability is a sensitive metric that can be significantly improved with just some minor adjustments with your sending practices. So to achieve better results, implement these factors into your cold email campaigns one at a time, okay? As well as even your warm campaigns. You can also do some testing, right? To see what works best for your audience. And by maintaining a consistent sending schedule and producing high quality email content, 
you'll soon begin to see genuine improvements in your email deliverability. All right. I appreciate you so much for being here with me today. Cheers to protecting your email deliverability. And until next time, let's grow your business together. There's never been a more crowded market in the online world. And every day you are constantly fighting the masses for attention of your ideal client. And we all know that in order to have a successful business is by keeping a steady flow of new leads and sales. And in order to get that, you need a steady flow of new followers to be able to build new relationships and make connections. Getting a steady flow of new followers in such a crowded market is easier than you think. I've created a simple strategy that will help you cut through the noise and connect with your ideal clients quickly and effectively so they will want to work with you. It's all about connecting and converting new leads in 45 seconds and turning those eternal scrollers into paying clients in just 45 seconds. Whether you're still growing organically or ready to pour some money into paid advertising, this simple strategy will bring in new leads who are warmed up and ready to hand over their cash. If you're tired of wasting time and money on trying to stand out, then you're going to want to grab my guide at themichellefernandez.com forward slash four five to help you stand out from the crowd so you can scale with ease.